Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic-inspired podcast that brings innovation to professional development. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows. Uh, This is an epic podcast for parents teachers, leaders, and anyone vested in the world of education. And today's episode is all about living in confusion. Um, actually, it's it's hopefully going to clear up some confusion. I feel like this is a state that I live in constantly. And today's co-host, you've heard her before. If you're a faithful listener, Heather Ryden, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, you bet. Anytime. I, I do have a a question though. What, what are we doing today? <laughs> I feel like I'm really, I'm confused. <laughs> I feel like can help. this is, yes, uh, always confusing. You are so brilliant. Um, we have, you know, I guess we've worked together for several years on and off again, but this year, uh, even though we were on the same team last year, this year I feel like I've gotten to know you so much more uh, with the the conversations that we've had on the record and off the record. Heather, you're a brilliant individual. Thank you so much for being you here. You are today. too kind. It's it's been fun to work with you over the last few years. I mean, I think you've had a number of roles. I've had a number of roles. So being able to work with each other in different capacities has been has been such a fun ride. So I googled confusion. Uh, And there are a couple of definitions, but the one I think that makes the most sense for today's conversation is the state of being bewildered or unclear in one's mind about something. And I just, I, there have been posts on the Epic Facebook page from the parents. There are um, conversations that happen in Google chats with the teachers. We're in meetings all week long, you and I, and there's mm-hmm. always some level of confusion. And if there's a level of confusion for us, then what is it like for the parents? And then what is it like for the students? You know, um, I think the the way we've gone, I mean, even Epic has had to adapt in their virtualness. We've, we've been a virtual school. We've done this for quite some time, but this year we've had to go even further further online and get rid of some of those one-on-one meetings because of the pandemic. Um, What is it about what we do that creates so much confusion? So many options. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the very nature of individualized education is the fact that we do have so many options to fit each and every circumstance. And so this year, without that really truly blended learning model where we do have one-on-one and online um, that personal aspect that we get when we're side by side with someone in the same room. I think that that's a difficult thing because now we're relying on different media mediums um, to be able to relay those messages. We have to rely on zoom phone calls, text messages, and those just are not as effective as, being in person in a one-on-one conversation and clearly 
being able to describe and communicate what a plan is. So it's, it's a challenging year. Well, you know, and since March, I feel like, um, yes, before March, I felt like we were rolling, everything was going well. Um, but you know, there have been parodies made even about the confusion of everything. My favorite, I've linked to the show notes. So if you want to watch it, go for it, but I'm going to play a little bit of it right now. Let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason, unless of course you have a reason and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed except those that are open and all stores must close unless of course they need to stay open. This virus is deadly, but don't be afraid of it. It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people and it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected. Okay, that is enough. It's so good. I think she is so (laughs) stinking funny, but... But it's so true. It is true. (laughs) How many times did you hear both of those things, right? Yeah, all year long, since March. I thought I had this thing figured out. Like, I know what I'm doing. I know what not to do. And then tomorrow happens. Right, right. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) So I thought it would be fun if we kind of created our own epic parody of this confusion. Maybe it's going to be fun. It might trigger some people, though. But let's see how it goes. Okay, but let's do this. Let's get into it. I like Um, you You need to do your core and epic essentials. Um, Unless, though, you don't qualify based on this specific score or your counterpart is not doing it. Okay. Well, then you need to do epic essentials and homework help. That's all you need to do. That's it. Um, You need to write a paper and read this book and also do Dreambox and Mind Play. Uh, That is, of course, like you said, you don't qualify for Dreambox or Mind Play. And... You don't need to read this book if you're reading the excerpts online, right? Exactly. Okay. We'll definitely log into Google Classroom. Unless, wait, maybe you don't need Google Classroom because... Do I get in through Clever? Is there a website? Is that in my email? uh, You probably definitely need to log in through Clever unless that is, of course, you don't have a Clever account. Or that Clever is down and no one can access at the moment, which our developers are working on. You know what? Just go outside and play. Go outside and play. We're going to call this PE today. Perfect. Your kiddos are in Epic. How many times this year? Be honest. Have you said, you know what? Just go outside and play. <laughs> hey, I, I was a little more structured. Don't get me wrong. I have done that this year. Um, but I did last week. We were working on ecosystems in my son's third grade um, science class. And I did print off an ecosystem backyard scavenger hunt. So did I monitor how that went? No, I didn't. I did out. But at least it was somewhat educational, right? I did upload that into his Bright Thinker account, and his teacher did grade that as a supplement. So, you know, check I, that box off. I think that's <laughs> funny. I'm having a harder time this year educating my own kids than I have in the last nine years. They've been epic students for nine years, but I think this is the first year that my husband and I both have been in administration, and we've so, yeah. got someone else doing the teaching and it's harder this year because I am not as I guess hands-on with the plan 
And, um, and I think that that's provided some challenges I I wasn't anticipating. On Uh, the other side too, though, I feel like it's been super enlightening. I feel like as a principal, um, you know, I've been a teacher, I was a director of teacher development, working with our first year teachers. And then this year as a principal, it's really, really nice to be able to kind of use my kids as guinea pigs, see it from this side, see the challenges, see the confusion, um, still be able to have a hand in what we're doing to individualize their plan. But it, it's been really helpful because I do see the struggle some days. I do see the confusion some days. And it's nice to see that firsthand. Now, you put a quote in the show notes. Do you want to read okay. that quote, that John Cotter quote? Yeah, so I was reading this book in um, one of my classes this semester, and it, it's specific to kind of communicating a vision or communicating a plan, but I thought it was really timely. It says, the time and energy required for effective vision communication are directly related to the clarity and simplicity of the message. Communication seems to work best when it is so direct and so simple that it has a sort of elegance. I loved that line. Man. As a communicator, I, I just I love the way they put that. It has a sort of elegance. He goes on to say the challenge of simple and direct communication is that it requires great clarity of thought plus more than a little courage. It's much harder to be clear and concise than overcomplicated and wordy. And I read this to my good friend, Jamie White, who's also a principal last night. She goes, oh, that's genius. I, I have a tendency to be overcomplicated. I have trouble providing clarity to my team. And that's a lot of the reason we get on Zooms and have strategy meetings and planning meetings so that we can practice on each other and how we're going to roll um, a system or program out. Um, So it does kind of require that collaboration sometimes to be concise, to be clear. You know, well, and I mean, think about it as teachers, we've gone through school where you have to write papers explaining everything. And then you get into maybe grad school as an administrator. And it's like, how many words can I fit on this page to prove my point? Right. And (laughs) it's like the anti clear and concise in grad school sometimes, but Ernest Hemingway, um, he got a, uh, an award, uh, I want to say a Nobel prize for, um, one of his books and, and he wrote it for, people with a fourth grade reading level. And that was at the time, fourth grade, who knows what the equivalency is now. (laughs) But I just thought, okay, if I can explain this so that a second or third grader gets it, a fifth grader gets it, then, then that's what I need to do. And sometimes we do get just carried away with our words and our plans. And um, yeah, I, I, I love that. John Cotter, and you found it in the book Leading Change? Yeah, Leading Change. He's got a number of books, but that book, Leading Change, is talking about the nature. I mean, in our last podcast that we talked through, we talked about the nature of change and being able to flex and adjust and adapt. And so um, I love that this kind of tied into this this show today because it, it is so true. We We can't move the marker. We can't see student growth unless we have clear vision and clear, concise communication with those families, because if they don't know what's expected, how, how are we going to be able to execute? Yeah. And I I know even for myself, um, I'll get to the end of the week and, and think, oh, 
gosh, I didn't have you log into MindPlay at all this week. What on earth were we doing? Now you've got like two hours. Get in there for two hours and and just make it happen. And so, um, and that's that's not good either. You know, I don't want my kiddo sitting for two hours. We've done it before. I, I vowed never to do it again. Um, but mm-hmm. all that change and unstructuredness um, creates this psychological, you know, horror zone or war zone. Talk to me. You've, you've got psychological safety written here and talk to me about psychological safety. I mean, I like the theory part of all of this, obviously tying it to science, something concrete is always kind of fun for me. And another book I've been reading lately is about teaming, building good teams, high performance teams. And so They talk a lot about in this book, Amy Edmonds and the author about psychological safety, and she defines it as a climate in which people feel free to express relevant thoughts and feelings. And that's how we connect. That's how we collaborate. Um, But they they said a a benefit of creating this environment, of creating psychological safety, is that it enables clarity of thought. I thought that was so poignant. When the brain is in this kind of fight or flight mode where it's activated by fear caused by confusion. Sometimes it, you can't process well, the, the neural processing power is diminished. Um, and so that eliminates the ability to be able to explore, to be able to design and create a strategy or analyze information. And so it just, it really dampens whether it's a student, a a teacher, a parent, an administrator, if you don't have a safe environment, um, it's too confusing. There's there's too many moving parts. You don't feel safe enough. Your body won't even have the processing power to be able to allow you to explore or design or be creative. Um, and so I thought, you know, that connection was so important. How how do we create environments for kids that that make it safe for learning? Um, and it's it's tough these days. We've got parents working from home. We've got um, lots of kids, siblings working in the same environment, not kids with their own age. I mean, I, I just, we're not able to get outside as often and go do things to kind of take our mind off um, all of the chaos. It's just, it's a really difficult environment that we work in in 2020. And so we have the cards stacked against us, but I'm not one for just falling down and dying. <laughs> Let's figure out a way to fix this. What can we do? You know, you you mentioned fight or flight earlier, and I've heard even in the last uh, few years, they've added another F to that, and it's freeze. And that's like that deer in the headlight. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're driving along, and that deer, like, move, just move, deer. But the, the freeze is there. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we do that sometimes to our students when they don't know what to do and and parents too, when they don't know what to do, oftentimes they just do nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's that the equivalency of, you know, just, just go outside, you know, and then you do that too many days in a row and all of a sudden you're behind pace. You're looking at possibly being withdrawn for truancy. And sometimes it's, it's that the family isn't necessarily even saying go outside. It's like, we just don't know what to do. We need more communication. We need, and I think in this, um, especially in this time of COVID, when the teacher doesn't get to go over as often or as much, this is where that daily contact or, you know, every other daily contact really needs to come into play. And I know that people are like daily, uh, and even parents are like, wait a minute, daily. I don't know if I want to talk to you. <laughs> <But> <laughs> if you find yourself 
in that freeze position where you're not progressing, you're not getting things done. Maybe you've really just kind of put off physical science or you've really just put off writing that essay. Um, it's, it's one of those things where we've got to get down and figure out, all right, was I clear enough? Was I, you know, specific enough in my explanation? And if not, how can I help you? Um, you know, doing nothing sometimes is, is going to get you run over. It will. And, and then that gap, that instructional gap, that understanding gap just gets wider and wider unless we diagnose it and fix it. Yeah. I know, um, you know, here at my house, my kids have been on the same sort of schedule, um, for nine years. We've, we've, uh, got, you know, a morning meeting where we all kind of come together at 9am and at 9am we, we talk about, you know, funny things and, and, um, such, but then it's like, all right, what's the plan for the day? And then at 10, 10 hard break, Alexa announces it it's time to take a break. And, you know, sometimes they're like, I've got two more questions. Sometimes they're like, yes, definitely break time. Got it. Yes. At 1130, Alexa calls out lunchtime. And at 1.30, we try to be done. And I, so I know I'm probably going to freak a bunch of parents <laughs> out. I'm probably going to freak a bunch of teachers out and maybe even piss off some principles, but at one we take a hard, hard break. And then at, on Fridays, I try not to do school at all, unless what I've created for them for the week, they didn't get it done. That's when we, uh, for catch up day. yeah, we get things done. And so anyway, that's, that's our hard schedule and Alexa calls it out and, uh, we try to abide by it so that we aren't, um, just overworked or, or inundated with the plan. So what, what kind of schedule do you guys follow in the riding household? So it's pretty similar. And honestly, my teaching assistant is also Alexa. She's probably going to join me here <laughs> for long. We have a dot in every house. We yeah. have a show um, in our kitchen area where they do some schoolwork. But um, I have, which, you know, people can't see. I got these from Amazon. They're today's plan. And when you check a box off, it's called a ta-da. It's like, ta-da. Oh, that's awesome. Like that. So they have a, a number of ta-das they need to get each day. And so, you know, I spend my weekends putting together these lesson plans and working with their teacher to um, figure out what we need to get done that week. And my mother-in-law is so gracious. She's a retired teacher and she comes over and helps with our kids during the week. But similar, we they start out with a, a devotion um, and they talk about... Um, you know, what's going on in the world. And they talk about family, friends, and they start their day out just kind of reflecting. And then it's like 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is kind of our work day. So it's similar. We, we get done right around 2, 2.30. Um, I don't know that they can really stay engaged. I, I feel like when you're at home, it's so much more concentrated, right? Like we don't have passing periods. We don't have lunch, um, that kind of thing. So you can really capitalize on the time that you have and get a lot done. So Fridays are our kind of catch up day. Um, and then we, we do work on weekends sometimes too, projects, um, things that we can do with dad when he's here, science projects. We built a walking robot last week, which was super fun, but, um, yeah, we build in those breaks and they, I don't have it programmed like you, I need to do that. Um, but they, they do say when it's break time, Alexa, set a timer for 10 minutes. So honestly, um, the breaks 
from Alexa. I mean, the, the schedule's always been there, but it, it yeah. felt like over the last several years, kids, um, you know, they were like, uh, can I call out break time? Or, you know, it seemed mm-hmm. like they were watching the clock for when it was going to be break time. And like there were 10, 15 minutes where nothing was getting done because they were racing each other to try to be able to call break time or be able to call lunch time. And honestly, since I've given it to Alexa, nobody's watching the clock anymore. And we're always shocked when it's break time, which means we can get a lot more work done if if they're not waiting or counting down those minutes. See, this is why I like when we get together. (laughs) You always have really cool ideas. And then I always go after we talk, I'm going to go set my timers right now on my Alexa. I feel like that's me. I'm like, okay, what can I do? I'm I'm loving the the backyard uh, lessons and and stuff like that. So uh, that's awesome. Um, with pivoting, okay, which is Epic's favorite word, um, Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. much does pivoting cause confusion and how can we better speak to parents about the plan? I kind of feel like pivoting whenever I was a teacher, it was part of my ILP. Now, just so you know, we're picking this core curriculum and we're setting this schedule, we're setting this plan, but I can change this on a minute's notice if I can see that science isn't working in the core, or I'm going to have to change this on a moment's notice. If we really bomb a benchmark, I I might add some more supplements to the the platform. I feel like this was a conversation that was best had during that ILP, so it didn't uh, surprise people mid-year, but I know that, that Epic adds things and removes things, and so how much um, pivoting causes confusion and what can we do to change that? Yeah. I mean, it's such a fine balance. I feel like there's this struggle, this tension between providing consistency, um, but also flexibility and how often, how much do we need to make those decisions where, you know, we don't want to cross over that line of just getting confusing and having no consistency, but we also don't want to be inflexible because we really do need to pivot sometimes in order to see student growth. So I I feel like I go back to this all the time, but it really does take communication. It's just, it's such a partnership. We talk about that triangle of success all the time. It's the parent and the student and the teacher. We have to have that, that communication and that partnership and to really assess, Hey, pulse check. How are we doing? Yeah. Are we clear on what the expectations are? Um, And being able to strategize and make a plan moving forward. So I, I feel like we kind of treat it as a quarterly thing. I, I don't like to make consistent, um, you know, shifts in core curriculum, um, small little tweaks here and there, not a big deal. But if we're going to change core curricula or we're going to try something new, I like to do that kind of on a quarterly or semester basis. Um, and right now, I mean, as a principal, I, I'm scheduling a lot of meetings with teachers and parents, and we're having these you know, proficiency meetings, so to speak, growth meetings, where we reevaluate, hey, here's what the data shows. I'm not really seeing what we need to see as far as student growth. This was the plan. What are your issues in in this plan? What are you seeing every day on the the ground? Mom, you're with them. Dad, you're with them. Um, And then what do we need to do going forward so that we don't have a repeat, right? Yeah. We we can't just continue going at this rate because, you know, that's insanity. If we don't change anything and you're just going to do the same thing, it's the same result. So, um, I think just that partnership, that communication is so key in really evaluating how often and how, how much to change. 
So I am providing a sample schedule in the show notes for anybody who, you know, needs it or wants it. Um, but it is basically something that I would give my kids, uh, and my students whenever I was teaching. So I've, I've just linked it in there. Um, and it, it, it's something that you can follow. It's color coded. It's got times on there. Um, for what it's worth, it's editable. So if you want to take it and make a copy of it and change the times or change the, the flow of it, do so. I try to let my kids follow a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday schedule because that's what they're going to see in college. I mean, I don't know many classes unless you're doing like a condensed class that you go to English every single day or, you mm-hmm. know, um, hit, hit math every single day. And, and I find that when we work this way, we're able to get a little more done because they stay focused on ELA all day or, you know, half the day. And you might be able to get three or four lessons done versus in an hour getting one lesson done each day. And so I find that we get a little more ELA and math done in a day when we do a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, ELA math and the Tuesday, Thursday, science, social studies Um Anyway, so I, uh, I've got that linked in there if anybody needs it. And shoot, I, I start at 9, but that doesn't mean you have to. And so if you want to take that and start at 10 or start at noon or start at 2, uh, you know, we've got a lot of working families that they may not start school until 5 p.m. and they may go from 5 to 8 p.m. doing schoolwork. Um, it, it's editable. You can use it however you wish. But things like that create consistency, which if you've got some consistency, then, then there's way less confusion. You don't find that the kids are coming and saying, what am I supposed to do? You know, if it's there and they can follow it, your to-da list, um, then it's way easier to deal with. What, what kind of things do you do to help create clarity when you were a teacher with your students? Now that you're a principal with your teachers, how do you create that, that clarity? Yeah, I mean, I think that predictability you're speaking of, having that schedule, that's the first line. You have to have structure. We have structure in traditional school models. We need that structure that has to transition into a virtual or blended model as well. If you don't have that, that expectation of what you do daily kind of goes out the window. We don't get a lot done. So having the parent, you know, have that accountability with those students and make sure that we keep that consistent schedule um, is key. But but also just, you know, making sure you have a dedicated space that is free of clutter, that has the tools and, you know, resources you need to be able to do work. Uh, my husband actually built over the summer, kind of finished it up in the fall, but built these bunk beds for our kids' room. And we obviously have them facing away from each other because boys will be boys. Um, but they do. They have their own dedicated spaces with their workbooks in a little bin next to them. Um, they have a schedule on, on the wall, their daily calendar. Got a word wall next to my kindergartner working on their sight words. But they have a dedicated space that's free of clutter that before we start school every day, their their room is clean. It's part of our schedule. Um either the night before or they get up early and they set their own timers and alarms on Alexa too. They have one in their room. So it, it does, it's, it's hard to, to get that schedule going. It's hard to create that space in your home. 
Um, but it's so important for that consistency and predictability. My, my kids thrive on a schedule. They thrive on structure. And without it, we don't get a lot done. And it creates more stress and anxiety in our home when they don't know what's expected. For sure. Uh, how do you help your teachers with their clarity? How do you help um, help them figure out their schedule? Because a lot of times, I mean, especially with brand new teachers or, uh, you know, maybe they've, they've taught before, but they're new to Epic. How do you help your teachers um, grapple with the, the uncertainty? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, remote work, no matter what industry you're in, is a difficult thing because you have to create that structure for yourself just as you would your kids. But um, fortunately, we have an incredible um, development department. Our directors of teacher development really work with our uh, new teachers hand in hand to create those schedules. And I do that with our veteran teachers as well. You know, how, how do we structure your day? What does a sample schedule look like? And we build in time slots for lunch. We build in time slots for student meetings. We even build in time slots for checking emails and returning phone calls. Um, so providing a template for here are some samples of what works for other teachers and helping create something that might work for, uh, for them, I think is important. Another thing too is I think setting priorities, weekly priorities, monthly priorities. Here are things we have to attend to this month. Here are our priorities and minimizing those into like as few priorities as possible so that they have that safety, that psychological safety of knowing, okay, if I check these boxes off, I know I'm doing a good job because it is tough. We're not in an office together. It's hard to know what's expected and it's hard to gauge if you're successful or not. So setting those, those priorities consistently, um, it's tough as an administrator to do that consistently because of all the things we have going on. But if I'm dedicated to doing that, my team is happier. And teachers can do the same, setting priorities. Here's what we need to attend to this week. Here's your goal for completion. Here are the tasks I need you to complete. Setting those consistent goals really helps us internally like know Am I doing well? Am I not doing so hot? Yeah. So priorities are key. It's so crazy. I never considered myself a list person. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, that <laughs> I would sounds not like peg you as a list person, Aaron. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> would not peg you as a list person. <laughs> no, but you know what? I really like. I find that I'm way more. Pro- I'm, I mean, I've I've always been kind of this willy nilly person, but I find that I'm a little more productive with a list. And and it sounds silly, but even my house cleaning. There's a list and I, yes. I know it sounds dorky, but I no, know I'm every Tuesday. I'm, I'm such a list person. I have them. <laughs> I probably have too many lists, but I, that's my favorite thing to buy on Amazon are daily like planners that you can tear off the yes. sheet. You check it off, crumple it up at the end of the day and throw it in the trash. It's so fulfilling. <laughs> well, like I, ne- I, I never dusted. I was the worst at dusting, vacuuming, like, spot cleaning, you know, but now that I've got this like cleaning checklist, I know every Tuesday I'm going to dust my bookshelves and every Wednesday and Friday I vacuum the living room, you know? Um, and then it says spot clean every day, you know, and dishes have to get done every day. But, but for those things that you're like, Oh, the windows or the mirrors, I, I I've got a day for that. I've got a, you know, a checklist. you have a schedule. I know it's all about that intent, right? You just have to be intentional with yourself, with your house, with your kids, with your team. It, it's all about intent. So creating space 
and capacity for you to plan to be intentional, uh, I think is the hard part this year, but um, got, we have to create margins, I guess, in, in order to do that. For sure. Uh, any last words on confusion or clearing up the confusion so we do not have to live in confusion? Oh, yes. I, I think kind of my last thought, and this is what I try to encourage my team, try to encourage my family. We just have to give grace and extend it freely to others and and be able to take it ourselves. I, this world we live in right now is not one we've ever seen before. And we are all just doing our best. And so I think if we just can communicate well and give each other some grace through the process, talk more, um, show grace, I, I think we would all feel a little bit healthier, a little less confused. Um, and we can kind of be on that journey of being more concise. We can do this together. You are awesome. Uh, Well, that's all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified each time a new episode drops. If you're a returning listener, you should rate the podcast. Leave us a comment. Until next week, tune in where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.